Love Letters is brought to you by Progressive, where customers who save by switching their home and car save nearly $800 on average. Quote at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who save with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. A few weeks ago, I sat down for an interview with a man named Nick. He's actually a good friend of one of our producers. Now, listener, if you're a woman interested in dating men and you happen to be swiping through Hinge or Tinder or Bumble at this very moment, there's a chance that you could come across Nick's profile, especially if you live anywhere near Washington. And if you did, here's what you'd see. Nick is 28. He lives in D.C. He's from North Carolina, works at a nonprofit. He has a twin sister. I wonder how many phones you're in as guy with twin. God, or honestly, since the mustache, I think I'd just be like guy with mustache. I was going to ask you about the mustache because I do feel like it sets you apart and you're really pulling off like a Henry Cavill in Mission Impossible situation. Thank you. Like the one where he beats up that guy in the bathroom. Judging from his photos, maybe you'd think he looks nice or maybe this guy has a unique vibe. Like if they get past the kind of oddness of my profile then like what's odd about it i didn't think it was that odd personally um until like people told me you know i've got a photos of like me wearing like renaissance fair stuff theater kid yeah i've got a lot of stuff where it's like just like a really long form bit maybe like i had one about me like haunting my house. I was like a a Victorian ghost and I never like left the home. But the thing about Nick that you might not pick up from his profile, or maybe you would, I don't know, is that he has been on quite a few dates in his adult life, which is exactly what I wanted to talk to him about for today's episode. Okay, so don't let your mind wander too far with this, like just quick answers. Okay. Best date you've ever had? I think the best date I've been on was one where I was doing a lot of bits and I was standing up and they were laughing. I was laughing at their jokes. Like we were just standing up one at a time, kind of like acting a little thing out. It was after a while of like a lot of bad dates. And I was like, this is great. Worst date? I have two that come to mind. One, she only thought I was funny when I was yelling. And I tested it, the theory in the bar where I was like, I tell a joke very loudly. Huge laugh. I tell a bad joke, loudly laugh. Tell a great joke, quietly, no laugh. And then the other was, that comes to mind, she was just mean to me. It was like the the way that she thought she was flirting and it, it just didn't work out for us. I was just like, I don't really like this, to be honest. I want someone who's a little nicer. <laughs> Sue me. Actually, if I can pull up... Um, Last year I made, I gave myself like the stats of my like dating from the year. Oh my God. Wait, did you like in an Excel spreadsheet? In like my notes, I like scrolled back through the year because my friends and I were going to do like a year in review and I went through and I calculated. Yeah, this is, there's some good ones. Uh, At the beginning of the year, I went on five first dates and all five of them within 24 hours sent me like a hey, like, you seem really nice, but I don't see this going anywhere. And I was like, is it me? And then I kind of thought like, okay, law of large numbers. And also before 
I smoked too much weed before the dates, about four of them. And I think I was just thinking too much. I, I Here's actually one that comes to mind on that. Um, I asked uh, someone on a date, I think five times what she was drinking because I just couldn't, I was nervous. She was like, in my opinion, out of my league. So I was like frazzled from the get go. And I knew it too. The fifth time I like in my head was being like, shut up, stop asking this. And she like could tell that like, like what? Like, so that was really embarrassing for me. Um, let me, let me look through these. Yeah. Give me, read it, read it all for me. I want to hear it all. So in 2022, I went on 46 dates, 28 first dates, 10 second dates, five third dates, two fourth dates, and then one five plus, I would say. Did you catch that? In 2022, Nick went on a total of 46 dates, just shy of a date per week. And if some of you listening are anything like me, there's a good chance that you are also thinking, oh my God, how much did that cost? From the Boston Globe and PRX, this is Love Letters. I'm Meredith Goldstein. This season on Love Letters, we've been exploring all the ways that love is intertwined with money. But one thing we haven't talked about much yet is dating. I've got to be honest, heading into this season, this is one topic I was eager to get into. For one thing, I love dating stories. But I also wanted to know, what's it like out there these days? And what is dating like cost-wise right now? Because I can imagine that for younger adults, especially those in their 20s, it's not easy. There's student debt, rising rents inflation. How does anyone have any money left over to date? To get some firsthand accounts of dating in 2023, I invited two guests on the podcast. First, there's Nick, who you just met, and who, I should point out, currently describes himself as a type C dater. If I find someone who really, you know, hits me like a freight train, then like, that's awesome. But I'm still looking right now, and but with no urgency. And to get a woman's perspective, Jackie, a longtime Love Letters podcast listener who also approaches dating with an open mind. I feel like now at this point in my life, I've been able to kind of frame it in a way that's like, let's just get to know someone and see what happens. No pressure, no expectations and no assumptions. Nick and Jackie have never met and we conducted these interviews separately. I was curious to see how their experiences might align or differ My hope was that their stories would have some universal themes that lots of people might relate to. Of course, I know Nick and Jackie do not represent everyone. They are just a snapshot. They are two Gen Z straight people who live around cities where there are lots of people to date. But I am so grateful they volunteered themselves as evidence of a moment, because I learned a lot from what they had to say. Also, you might have picked up on this already, but this episode is going to sound a little different from usual. We're going to do some jumping around between Jackie and Nick's interviews. But don't worry, there will still be plenty of stories, some cute, some very cringy, some money-related, some just ridiculous. Now, 
For my straight male listeners, if you happen to live near Chicago and you scroll your way onto one of Jackie's dating app profiles, you'd see that she's 25, lives in the suburbs, and works as an audiovisual technician. And she is definitely a romantic. Growing up, what did you think about your adult romantic life, like what it would look like? I thought it was just all based on like fantasy, like what's in the movies. Give me a movie. Be more specific. Like what movie would you have dropped yourself into? Um, <laughs> probably like if it's going to be like hardcore teen, like romance, it would definitely be like High School Musical or like Twilight. Imagine a thousand balloons raining from the sky that you were the first person to willingly acknowledge Twilight in a good way on this podcast. Bravo. Thank you. Like Nick, Jackie is a frequent dater. She estimates that she's been on hundreds of dates. She's tried all the apps. Sometimes she goes to speed dating events or asks friends to set her up. She has even tried to meet people by joining clubs, like her local Subaru group, which, in case you were wondering, is kind of like a biker gang, but for people with reliable and safe SUVs. It's very family-friendly. Like, people bring their kids, people bring their dogs. We're not doing burnouts in the parking lot. We're literally just parking our cars next to each other and just discussing, hey, what did you do with your car recently? Oh, what road trip did you go on? I want to join a Subaru group, even though I don't have a Subaru, because I just feel like it sounds... Perfect. It's nice. We like we like to do like philanthropic things too. So we like oh. to do like toys for tots, and we we donated like a bunch of like toiletry kits and blankets to a local homeless shelter. Ah, oh. perfection. All right, we're here to talk about money, so let's do it. I want to know. Everything you spend money on when it comes to dating. Definitely dating app subscriptions is one. Second thing is sometimes if I have to pay for my meal or date or activity that we're doing, which I'm totally fine with. If I'm meeting somebody in the city or going to the city, definitely like parking. What else? New outfits and makeup and hair, getting my nails done. Yeah, definitely. Are there any sacrifices you've had to make because of the cost? Like, do you stop yourself from doing some other social thing because you had an expensive date that week? Oh, absolutely. Sometimes I'm like, well, I wanted to DoorDash some deep dish pizza on Friday, but looks like I'm not going to do that, you know? And it's like my friends are like, let's go out. Let's go to a concert. And I'm like, uh... I, I, I don't know if I want to drop like $200 on a concert ticket. Like I just, I either went on a very expensive date or just went on a lot of dates. What would you say the average cost of a date is for you? To give a rough estimate, maybe like 60 to $80. Because drinks in DC can add up. It's like 80, 90 was always like top level. I was like, oh, I spent way too much money on this date. Um, especially if I didn't feel that like spark. DC is hard. DC is expensive. And there is, listen, I will not try to romanticize any part of a national, international pandemic, but like it's free to sit in the park. Like there was like a weird 
dating is now free and we can take a walk. Like, did you feel that a little bit? Like, oh, this is different than 2018 when I was spending whatever. 100%. I think you put it exactly right. All of a sudden I was like, wait, I could, I could have been doing this the whole time. But it's even funny that you mentioned that because now post-vaccine, it's almost fully back to like paid dates. But yeah, now I'm like kind of having this realization live. Like maybe I should start doing that again. You know, you can get a bottle of wine, drink the same amount, get to know each other. It's in a public place. You're checking off all the same boxes. But like now you're not worried about some guy coming up and being like, well, you've been here for two hours. It's time to go. Like I would say like majority of my dates are usually like going out to dinner or getting drinks somewhere. So I'm like my personal belief and a lot of people might disagree with this, but I prefer splitting the bill on the day just because I see it as like an equal partnership. Like both people are investing their time and their effort and their money to get to know each other. All right. This is the part that I'm very into. If you can generalize who usually pays? The guy does. Okay, then break it down for me. Walk me through what happens. Like, the check comes. Describe the moment. I'll lay out a couple different scenarios that happen. So the check comes and we're awkwardly staring at it in the middle of the table until one of us says something. And usually I kind of forced myself to. I said, okay, uh, do you want to split this? Like, what do you want to do? And typically when that happens, it's usually going to be split. But the other times the check comes and the guy like reaches their arm out like automatically like a reflex like Tom Brady throwing the football it's like they they they're just used to doing it and then like you know I'm just so shy and I just I like, want to be polite I'm just like are you sure and they're like no I got this and they kind of look at me like like are you crazy like you you, you want to pay for a part of your day like because I, I and I understand I'm not like judging them at all but I feel like a lot of that can probably be like indicative of how somebody grew up and like was raised and kind of like that whole belief system so that's usually like what happens honestly it's very awkward and uncomfortable (laughs) so is it on your mind like what the person does for a living and how much money they might have like if you're out with a social worker versus like i don't know some like business dude you're thinking about it absolutely and i also don't want to assume anything about their financial situation they may have a good job but don't know what they have going on in their life behind the scenes maybe because we haven't gotten that deep yet you know because typically on the first date you don't really like discuss all right let's talk about you know our student loans and our credit card debt and our finances like that's never something that like comes up obviously after the break we discuss why these old school gender norms haven't quite faded and nick shares a story about a time in his life when that old-school chivalry took a toll on his bank account. Okay, we're back. So you might remember from earlier that while Nick goes on dates very regularly, he thinks of himself as a Type-C dater, meaning he dates, but not with any sense of urgency. But that wasn't always the case. Time for a quick story. Let's rewind a bit.
The year is 2018. Nick has just moved to D.C. He's in his early 20s, fresh out of college, and hungry for romance. So he adopts the mantra, love won't find you, you have to find love. And that philosophy pushes him to set a goal, go on 50 first dates in a single year. It's ambitious. There are stretches where he's going on upwards of four dates a week, which to me sounds exhausting. But for early 20s Nick, the idea of meeting so many new people is actually exciting. I think only once I like asked a question to someone I was going on a date with, and I was like, "Do you, did I already ask you this? And she was like, no, it's probably all the other dates you've been on this week. And I was like, oh, no. At this point in his life, Nick is bouncing between internships and entry-level jobs. He's working as a server to pay the bills, but he doesn't have a ton of money coming in. And yet, on the majority of Nick's dates, when the check comes, he is the one paying. One day, Nick is on the phone with his parents, talking about life and money. And I think I was like, you know what, I'm going to go and do like one of those like breakdown by month and see how much I'm spending. And it was just exorbitant. And I had like a, a st- I think my like jaw dropped and I never felt like such a way like no one else could see or like was checking. But I just personally was just so mortified. I was like, I can't believe I spent all this money on dates. Maybe none of them ended up in a second date. I like did that calculation like probably seven times just be like, "Uh, let me make sure that this is actually how much it is. And I just remember being like, this is this is more than like the paycheck I had. And then at that moment, I was like, I can't be going on four dates a week. Was any part of you like pissed off? Because I'm just surprised, like, and I say this as a Gen X person and someone who dated pre-Venmo, but like, I'm kind of surprised that people your age are defaulting in a man-woman date to like, well, he'll get that. But like, is that still the thing? It sort of seems that way. And I think also that moment where like the check comes and I'm like, I might as well. I think there's also a lot of like feeling from the people I dated where they're like, well, if he's going to let him. It didn't always feel like a dynamic like that was gendered necessarily. It always felt just like I was just nervous and I was like, I don't want to have to deal with like this rigmarole. I might as well just like pay it. I shared Nick's feelings on this topic with Jackie. I can totally understand that because I, I think a big part of why a lot of men might do that might be because they're very scared about how we're going to react. I think a lot of them might think that we're going to think less of them because they don't pay. Jackie says there's this clip of Steve Harvey circulating on TikTok where he lays into men who don't pick up the bill on dates. If a man asks you out and he's not willing to buy you a plate of food, how can you possibly think that this guy can take care of a family? doesn't make any sense. It don't make no sense. What do your friends and family say about the men who don't pay? Oh, yeah. So that's the other thing, too, that I think maybe a societal thing in general is if the guy doesn't pay, he's cheap and not interested in you. But if he does pay and he takes you to a really nice place, then that means he, he's totally invested in you early on and you should definitely see him again. 
That has been what I have always been told by my family and my friends. Is any of it true, or at least the second part? Like, if somebody pays, does that mean they're worth your time and totally into you? No. I have a story about that. Jackie's story takes place three years ago, after she meets a man on Bumble. The man says, hey, let's grab dinner at Fogo de Chao, which, if you don't know, is a swanky, all-you-can-eat Brazilian steakhouse chain where waiters parade by with a never-ending assortment of skewered meat. So we we go to the date, right? And we, we sit down. And not long after we sit down, he gets up and he answers a phone call. And I thought, okay, maybe he's just going to tell the person, hey, I'll call you back and then just come back, whatever. Well, it turns out he was on the phone like the majority of the time on the state and and for a second I actually almost thought that he had left and so by the time he sat back down it was like 10 to 15 minutes of conversation so I feel like we really didn't get much time together and of course like the check comes and he's like I got this and I'm like okay like just didn't even like ask questions and like I just thought that was just very interesting because I was just like he didn't even pay any attention to me maybe he felt bad that he didn't give you any time and he felt like this was not a worthy date for her and I should really pay for this also are you just sitting there doing that thing where you're signaling for people to bring you more meat and you're just sitting there alone pretty much So again, I know Jackie and Nick are not representative of every person trying to date, but they have told me a lot. I am simultaneously shocked and somehow not surprised at all that Gen Z culture involves an expectation of men doing this and women doing that. I wish all the old rules of who pays and who does emotional labor would just go away so we can all figure out the terms of our own courtships and relationships. But the main thing I take from these two people is about money, and investment. Nick and Jackie don't want to overspend on dating, but they do understand it is a necessary cost of finding a partner, like going to school to get the right job. They get that dating comes with a price tag in time and money, and they're learning how to make room for it. I hear a lot about dating fatigue in the advice column that I write. Like people are just tired and they're they're talking about time and they're they're talking about well, I could have been doing this other thing. And how do you do this in moderation? And sometimes, especially when I'm hearing from straight men, I wonder if I'm hearing the whole story that after a date that was completely mediocre, that there has to be a moment where it was like, oh, and in this particular instance, it also cost me $100 to do it. Like, how do you fight that disappointment that's an extra layer of, like, I could have, like, bought, shoes or something i don't know i totally understand and i totally parts of me agree with that but other times i feel like when i have that moment you know date wasn't good i don't see this going anywhere there's no follow-up text like hey i had a, a lot of fun it's just like this is over now at the end of the day like oh well you know i got to meet someone like it was a little fun like i have a little fun story i can tell friends here's one that was the most fun date and it was maybe a second date and she texted me i want to destroy something and we ended up like altering clothes that I had. Like I just had a bunch of clothes and I was like, what about this? Like, this is stuff to destroy. And she didn't come up with anything 
honestly that cool. She was trying to do like a weave pattern and I like painted some pants, like a bunch of funky stuff on it. I like cropped some sweaters and actually have a sweatshirt that I still wear that I think is like one of the articles of clothing that looks the best on me. And then she was like pissed because she like didn't finish her like crochet. This is a sort of a conclusion thought I was having and would love your take on it, but like we sort of expect a cost for development of education and building a life in so many ways. And yet there's something really unpleasant to me about thinking about how much money people spend on dating. But it's like any other thing where it's this investment to whatever extent we can make it into some sort of future, which I guess is never really guaranteed. But like, is that how you think about it as like just a necessary investment into something that could be wonderful? I do. I know that a relationship or a person isn't going to like fall out of the sky just because I want it to. So I think a lot of it is just like dating is effort and investment. And I have learned over the years that in order to be successful or try to be successful at that's definitely what's required. I get discouraged and down in the dumps like many single people do. I'm like, oh my God, like this is this is gonna be forever or this is gonna last this amount of time. And then like I'm I might meet somebody, maybe, maybe not be long term, but it's like I had a good connection with somebody and that's worth something, I think. And I think that's also a big part of the reason why I keep going and why I have that belief of there is a greater purpose to this. If nothing else, Nick is right. Both he and Jackie are getting some great stories out of it. I was on a date with someone who she was like English second language. And I made a joke about mansplaining. And she said, what does that mean? And I said, what does mansplaining mean? She was like, yeah. And I was like, "Are you? am I being punked right now? And I like looked around the bar being like, I I'm not going to do this. Like, I can't, I can't do that. Right. And she was like, I don't know what that word means. I wasn't born here. Tell me what it is. And I was like looking around, like checking everybody's like, is this, okay? are you sure this is okay? And she's like, please tell me what the word means. And then I did. And she was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Actually. I know exactly what you're talking about. And I was like, Man, I just got like rope. I was like so nervous someone was gonna look at me and just just hear me mansplain mansplaining, and then they were gonna be like, "This fucking asshole just." All right, I'm gonna do just a series of date type questions, and you can tell me these in short answers or however you want to do it. Best date? Yes, uh, best date. So we went to just like a nice restaurant and like a suburb downtown area he's like let's let's go on a walk and i'm like okay that's that sounds good and it's just like perfect so 
oh god now you're gonna be like gosh she's like a fantasized twilight you know all this shit but this is this sounds like a side of a movie but as i promise it's not it's like the sun setting we're walking right and uh you know it's like kind of like just like this awkward silence between us and he like grabs my arm and he like kisses me and it's like literally the best thing ever like it, it's like a, the unexpected things on dates you know it's the simple things that's what i like oh okay good worst date Oh, the, definitely the Fogo the Chow one, by by far. I'm sorry. <laughs> you got so much protein. <laughs> I know. It's like, how could you? It's You were I fed. Know. I was fed, but I wasn't paid attention to. You weren't, you weren't it, emotionally fed, and I exactly, hear that. Exactly, exactly, yes. What are some of the questions that you're like, ugh, if I never get asked this question or have to ask this question again, I'll be so happy? Oh, yeah. What do you do for work? How many siblings do you have? Like, what TV shows are you watching? Just just roll my eyes. Wait, but the TV one doesn't help at all or no? If I'm in a relationship with somebody and we don't agree on the TV show, I, I think we'll be okay. <laughs> what if they're like, I don't know, but I just love watching High School Musical and Twilight. Oh, yeah, obviously. Hands down. <laughs> be like, where's the ring? You can always be up to date. You can always be with the trend. You'll be able to stay in touch. Stay in touch with a friend. If you keep yourself up to speed, people hear what you're saying. You won't find that they're praying for somebody new. All it takes is a single click. Love Letters is a production of the Boston Globe and PRX. Today's episode was produced by Jesse Remedios and Scott Hellman. Ned Porter does our audio mixing, sound design, and mastering. Nick's interview was recorded by James Morrison. Devin Smith and Maddie Mortel do our audience engagement. Love Letters illustrations by Ali Riza. Our marketing coordinator is Maggie Taylor. Special thanks to Linda Henry. Our music is from APM. We are an advice column. Please send us your problems and questions to loveletters at boston.com. If you like the show, please follow us on Apple Podcasts. We're online at loveletters.show. Yeah, you don't need the abs of Taylor Lautner. You just need the cold, pale body of a vampire. <laughs> I mean, you on. just need the moderately smaller abs <laughs> yeah. of Robert Pattinson. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm Meredith Goldstein. Thanks for listening. You can always be Alamo. Be aware of what's all the rage. Be as sharp as what's cutting edge. Put yourself on the stage. Don't be frightened by avant-garde. Don't be frightened by passion. Learn to live with a passion Life is right here and now That's the way to be up to date That's the way to be moving on